And welcome in to episode 14 here of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside my teammate, Mr. Ben Metz, and to my left, I guess my right, your left, uh, Mr. Rusty Smith, former NFL quarterback of the Tennessee Titans, uh, had some time in the CFL and also in college, a multi-time MVP of bowl games and a Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. Mr. Rusty Smith, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Wayne. Thanks for having me on tonight. Um, looking forward to our evening, so I appreciate it. Rusty, uh, uh, again, I'll go ahead and from the onset give the shout-out to my mother-in-law. Uh, she's the one that set this up. Uh, you and her work uh, kind of in partnership there uh, with your, your post-football career. Uh, but a little shout-out to Carson Springs Baptist Conference Center right here. Uh, provided by my mother-in-law so uh but uh but rusty uh again uh kind of gave a little teaser there uh former nfl quarterback uh former nfl draft pick uh a lot of stuff to unfold there our kind of deal here is not so much uh this game on this date or this stat line or that stat line it's more of like how do you get there you know i think a lot of times as sports fans and that's kind of where we drive from here, nobody knows that story. You know, we, we talk to coaches, we talk to current players, former players of all different sports. And really that's what we're about is understanding, you know, through, through the career, through the high school, when did you know uh, football was going to be a, a long-term thing for you? And then ultimately how that played through. And then what are you doing now? Uh, including anything that interests you. Uh, non-football related, but uh, kind of jump in right there, Mr. Mister Rusty. Uh, I guess uh, starting with uh, way back in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, Sandalwood High School, uh, how did Mr. Rusty Smith kind of make his way to Florida Atlantic? Yeah, I'm actually going to go back a little bit further than that. Um, it was uh, really fo- football is not my primary sport. Uh, my primary sport was baseball. I uh, grew up loving baseball. Uh, it's still probably my favorite sport. I say that probably. Um, you know, um, offline we talk, you know, what, you know, Wayne and Ben talked. And, uh, you know, I got four boys. Uh, my wife, she grew up in athletics. Um, she's the youngest of three. She's got two older brothers. They played baseball. I played baseball growing up. My kids play baseball. We love sport. It's awesome. Um, so my growing up in my childhood, I played baseball and that was my thing. Um, I loved watching SEC football, uh, specifically the Florida Gators. Yes. Growing up in Jacksonville, uh, my grandparents had Gator, uh, Gator season tickets and I've been to many a games in the swamp. Got plenty of memories going to those games with my grandparents and, uh, yeah, loved, loved watching football, but never played football. Um, and so baseball was my thing, and I wanted to go and play and show, man. That was my dream. I wanted to do that. Um, and so I didn't really play until my eighth grade year um, in in middle school. And uh, I was a backup. Uh, I think I held for PATs. And, you know, everybody knows in middle school, you don't kick PAT. So, I mean, that's <laughs> that was my gig, you know. <laughs> and so – uh, got to high school, and yes, I graduated from Sandalwood High School. It's a large 6A high school uh, in Florida. It's actually the largest in Jacksonville. But um, I did not start at Jacksonville. 
Um, I started at Paxson School for the Advanced Studies. Um, oh. It is a public school magnet program in Jacksonville. There was uh, two high schools that were magnet programs. And so uh, I started out there. Um, my mom and dad, they were drilling me and my sister when we were growing up. Hey, brains in your heart and Jesus in your head. I'm sorry. Jesus in your heart and brains in your head. <laughs> and those backwards. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was school first. Um, you know, so we, I went to Paxson, um, was a backup on JV my freshman year, uh, was the backup on JV my sophomore year, and was going into my junior year on the varsity team and was going to be the backup. And then the guy in front of me gets hurt. And so I step in and man, for whatever reason, that that year, it just kind of slowed down for me. And um, through a lot of through for a lot of yards at a school that wasn't very good in football, um, and and man, we put up some good numbers, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and uh, and so it was one of those things. It was that year that um, me and my dad and my mom we really started to talk about. Look, this could be something. You know, it could be. Well, you know, with my size, I mean, I was I was big. I had a strong arm. Um, we put up a lot of numbers that year, and it could turn into something where I could go to college. You know, my mom and dad, you know, we're middle-class folk. You know, it's not like I was going to just go to college and get everything paid for. You know, it was right. – it was I was going to have to get any kind of uh, scholarship I could or or not go. Like that's that's kind of right. what it was. <laughs> and so um, – so um, – we decided to go to my my neighborhood school, my what I was zoned for. So, like the magnet program, I actually got bussed into this school that was way across town. Um, and you know, to get into the school, you had to you know pass all kinds of academic requirements. And kids from all over the school, all over the, all over the county, all over the city, went to Paxson. So when I transferred to Sandalwood, I was just going back to my neighborhood school. Well, we so made that like decision. Mike Lore in reverse. Basically. <laughs> yeah, that, he, that's he, basically right. Yeah. Yeah. And so my neighborhood school, massive 6A school, well-established football program. Um, you know, they had gone to the playoff multiple years in a row. They had a, a rising um, Mr. Mr. Football uh, finalist and a running back named Maurice Wells, who ended up going and playing at Ohio State. Uh, if you remember Beanie Wells from way back when, Maurice actually was his backup. And so if you remember kind of a skinnier scat back guy that had long dreads out of his helmet, that was my high school teammate. He was oh, a running wow. back and he was, you know, he was legit, man. He was really, really good. And man, the, the, Sandalwood averaged 300 pounds up front. I mean, we were huge. We had, <laughs> we had two deep on both sides of the ball. We two platoon. I mean, if you played defense, you didn't play offense. If you played offense, you didn't play defense. I mean, it was big time for Florida football. And uh, and man, we were good. We had we had a linebacker that went to South Carolina. We had a running back that went to Ohio State. We had a wide receiver that went to the University of Florida. We had an offensive lineman that went to Cincinnati. We had an offensive lineman that went to Murray State. We had a defensive lineman that went to Auburn. I mean, we it, we were good. We yeah. were good. And uh, and so and like we, state I, of Florida goods different than like everybody else's. Buddy, good. people don't people up here don't know that. 
I mean, they they don't they don't tr- they don't understand. Um, like, yeah, Brentwood Academy is good. Maryville, I mean, Maryville's good. I mean, you're looking at CPA Lipscomb. You're looking at good good footballs football. But man, when you go and play some of these teams from Florida, these six, eight, seven, eight, eight, eight schools, mm. I mean, it's different. I, I told somebody, you know, uh, and, and of course, you just got to give me some grace. Being a, being a Tennessee fan, I always say, well, well, you know, teams in Florida are to be good. They can go a hundred miles from campus and recruit a <laughs> national championship. Look, you mean look the school that I ended up going to, FAU, which by the way, I'm repping FAU gear right yep. here. Okay, yep. Final Four, right? Uh, basketball. Okay. Basketball. <laughs> hey, that's exactly right. And who did they beat in the Sweet 16 real quick, Wayne? You might you might know who they beat in, in, in the, I can't I can't hate on it because that's how this interview's got set up. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we deserved that one. Hey, oh, at least man. went on and beat and won the next one. I I can oh, just man. appreciate that. Uh so, but no, so man, no, go ahead. FAU, that's what that's what FAU did. I mean, that's how we built FAU. I mean they were. They drew a literally. Howard Stellenberger drew a line across the the middle of of middle uh, Central Florida. He said, "Hey, look, we ain't even crossing the line unless it's for a quarterback. They would not even pass Orlando unless it was for a quarterback. They would get all of their talent from South Florida. I mean, that's how good it was. It that's is. Crazy. That's crazy. anyway. I'm getting off topic. All right. <laughs> so I did so it. we tra- we transferred. I transferred to Sandalwood for my senior year, and and man, it was. Um, you know, I didn't need, I wasn't getting a whole lot of letters. Uh, I went to a bunch of camps, you know, I went to a bunch of these college, college campuses and did camps and stuff like that. Uh, still have fond memories of my grandparents, um, literally in their suburban tra- traveling all over the Southeast to all these schools and going to these camps and these one day, you know, rising senior camp here. And then the next day, you know, one, one day we would go to NC state and then literally the next day we would go to South Carolina and then the next day we would, you know, we would go to Clemson, and then the next day we would go to, you know, uh, Appalachians. I mean, we were going every every day, every camp. I mean, it was it was a, it was a grind um, going into my senior year because I was not on the map really because I had just come from a nowhere school. We didn't have a whole lot of talent from Florida, uh, you know, for for the sake of Florida, but and we were going into a, a school that, you know, we were trying to get noticed, and that's kind of when it all kind of started. And so, uh, so then we go into my senior year at Sandalwood and, uh, didn't really have a whole lot of interest. Um, I had a couple schools talking and then a couple games in, I had university of Alabama, Birmingham, they called me, uh, and they started really recruiting me. Um, and ultimately they offered me a scholarship and they say, Hey, look, we'd like to come and have a, have a sit down with your mom and dad in your living room and just kind of get to know you, blah, blah, blah. So they come and do the whole, you know, dog and pony show and offer us a scholarship. And so I said, well, look, I appreciate it. You know, I just want to make sure that we're making the right decision. So just give us a little bit of time. Well, a week later, I call and I'm going to commit on the phone. And I'm literally sitting. I'm ne- I will never forget this. I'm sitting in um, our little office at, at our house. My dad's over there at his desk. He's working on paying bills or where, where he pays bills. And I'm sitting at my desk where I do my homework. And I pick up a little landline phone with the cord coming down to it and everything. <laughs> And I call this guy on his phone, and I say, "Hey, Coach, uh, I, this is Rusty. I just want you to know I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to come to UAB and play 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 some football." And he says, "Well, uh, Rusty, I appreciate that, but man, I want you to know that we uh, we got a commitment from a guy that was a little bit higher on the board than you, so we actually don't have a scholarship off for you anymore." And I was like, yeah. "Oh," and I was like, "Okay, well." Uh, yeah, I appreciate you letting me know. He goes, well, we'd love to have you come in on an official visit, 
if you're if you're willing i said no uh no i'm not i'm not interested in that you know so no thank you i appreciate y'all appreciate that but no thank you mm-hmm. so there was i mean I'm, I'm in the middle of my senior year and i got nowhere to go mm-hmm. and uh so yeah we kind of are finishing the senior year and it's like november so like we had we had gotten bounced from the playoffs um so we were just kind of you know the season was over and i was kind of in limbo mm. and it was a sunday night i was driving home from church and this is another another phone call that i'll never forget i'm in my i'm in my truck i'm at the corner of mccormick and st john's bluff about to turn left to go home from church and my phone rings i answer the phone and it's this deep voice and says hey is this rusty smith i said yes sir it is hey this is gary nord from florida atlantic university and i want you to know that i've seen your film and i'm very interested and so from then on uh literally the next weekend like in five days i'm going down to fau with mom and dad to do an official visit that sunday i'm sitting in howard stoneberger's office and he offers me a full scholarship and i say yes and that's how that's how, that's how i got there Man. i mean I, I literally never thought it was going to happen uh and then all of a sudden it happened. It's crazy. And for for the listeners that maybe don't don't recognize the name Howard Schnellenberger, the Miami Miami the U, Howard Schnellenberger made that. the U. Yeah, he's, yeah. If anybody's seen the thirty for thirty, the U, uh, the older guy with the white mustache and the pipe that built the U won their first national championship. He was my head football coach in college. And 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 how much of that uh, that hard nosed. Uh, just wide open. How much of that uh, just carried into FAU time, dude? Howard Schnellenberger is 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 one of the toughest coaches I've ever played for. Um, and you know, I could go into what my high school coaches' experiences were like. You know, I didn't have a great super super great experience with some of my high school coaches. Um, but they weren't like tough. Mm. They were they were just pricks. Yeah. You know, there's a difference. Okay. Um, but Howard Schnellenberger, he was I mean, he's like junction boy tough. Right? <laughs> that's I mean that's 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 how that's how he grew up playing football in Alabama. He's got that borderline, you don't know if he's gonna snap here in the next minute or so kind of level. Yes. And don't look, don't ask. For water. I mean, that's that's how it was. Don't ask for water. You're going to practice until he says it's time for water. Oh, and we're going to run gassers just because we're going to run gassers. We have – I mean, we were doing three-a-days when we weren't allowed to be doing three-a-days. Okay? I mean, he was bending the rules. I'm saying that because, I mean, God rest his soul, he's not he's not with us no more. And he can't get in and throw no trouble. But, like, we were, we were borderline bending the rules. Cause we were just tough going, going, going. It was, now, it was tough. Now I'm known to do this, put the cart before the horse and we're going to get to your coaching experience, you know, as we talk further into the evening. But, uh, is there anything you took from, from, you know, playing under him that you took into your coaching experience? Anything? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there, there were, there were three coaches that were absolutely instrumental in, and why I coach the way that I coach. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger, Gary Nord, and Jeff Brom. Those three guys, uh, I take a lot of, of how I coach from them. Um, I'm going to hold kids accountable for their, for, for their actions. 
Um, if you're, look, if you're trying to do the right thing, if you're trying to do what we've coached you to do and you just can't do it, hey, that's, that's life. That's life. That's going to happen forever. But if you are just ignoring what the coaches are asking you to do, well, there are consequences for those actions or those lack of actions. Um, and yeah, it's, it's tough love. It's, it's not that I don't care about you as a kid or as a football player or as a student athlete. It's that I do love you and that I do care for you and that I am willing to tell you this is not okay. This is not how we do things. This is not the right way to do things. And uh, so, yeah, that that kind of tough love comes from Howard Schnellmutter. He would be the guy that would wear you out in the middle of practice if you weren't doing what you were coached to do. But if you were doing what you were coached to do and it just didn't work out, he ain't say nothing. He ain't say nothing. You know, uh, Rusty, you, you talk about Coach Snellenberger and going hard with on the players, but, I mean, he gave you an opportunity early. Uh, you played 45 games for the Owls and uh, and ultimately uh, had a pretty good start early. It looks like out of four years of playing time, uh, you, you started more than 10 games three of those years. Uh, what, what really clicked once you got to FAU? Uh, you know, again, another learning curve, right? You went from the school that maybe wasn't the football school to the big football school. Now you're going to, I mean, this is this is big time uh, college football. Yeah. So when I got to FAU, uh, we were in the second the second year of our probate probationary period. So we were the fastest school to go to start a football program. Our first year of a football program was in 2000, and when I got there, it was the fall of 2005 and so we were the fastest football we were fastest program in in division one history to go from starting a program to division one and so when you transition into division one you have a two-year probationary period where you can't go to a bowl game you can't win a conference or anything like that so my first year i redshirted and that was our our second year in the probation uh and we were we took our lumps that year you know it was it was tough it was tough sledding um you know we had we had done well the year before, uh, graduated a lot of seniors, and so we were kind of young still that year, first year in the you know kind of second year in the Division One schedule. So it was it was rough that first year, um, and you know I redshirted, so I wasn't playing, and so you go from playing on a big time high, you know football program in Florida to a young football program at FAU, and you're not playing, you're not the guy. It's like man. That's rough, and, and that's one of the things that, as a coach, that I've seen as, as high school students are leaving their high school and going to college and trying to play at the next level. Uh, the transition there from being big man on campus, big-time football player, big-time whatever player, and now you're going to college, and maybe you got to redshirt a year. Maybe you got to sit for a couple years. And that transition is difficult for a lot of for a lot of folks. And I'm look, it was hard for me. There were multiple times where I'm on the phone with my dad, like, Dad, this is this is brutal. I'm having to get up at five thirty in the morning to go to workouts and I I see no light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not even I'm like, what am I doing? Like why I'm not playing on Saturdays, I'm not traveling, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Like, what am I doing? 
and and having just the encouragement of my father, having the encouragement of my mom, having the encouragement of, of my coaches, like, hey, look, they, it's coming. You're, you're improving. You're getting bigger. You're getting stronger. You're putting on weight. You're doing this. You're learning. You're all these things. I mean, it was it was good. I mean, that again, it, it was a legit grind. You know, for that for that year, it was it was literally all work, no play. Mm. And and that was a it was difficult. It was difficult. So then by my second year, which I'm a redshirt freshman, I'm actually competing for the starting job with two other guys. Uh, I win the job out of camp, and our first game that year is uh, against Clemson in Clemson at Death Valley. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'd love to say that I just walked in there and lit up the place. I mean, that would be amazing. Um, but I did not. Um, you know, uh, I started the game. I played the first quarter. Uh, they put in the other guy for the second and third quarter, and then I went in for the fourth quarter. And then the next four or five games, the other guy started. So I kind of I'd lost my job after that game. Um, and that was also difficult. You know, it was it was a tough pill for me to swallow because uh, I knew that I could play at that level, um, and I just I, I was kind of I was kind of being honest, I'm kind of embarrassed that I had not played as well as I could have. Um, Felt like I'd let not only my teammates down, but I'd kind of let my parents down. That's what I felt like. You know, I'd gotten all that, gotten that far and done all that work, and I get my opportunity, and they come to the game. My grandparents come to the game, and, like, I do nothing. You know, it was it was rough. And so, uh, so yeah, there was, like, a four- or five-week period there in my retro freshman year where I was, you know, considering hanging them up. But, again, you know, just – through through the encouragement of my mom and dad, they've been super, they were super great, you know, in in college. And you know, I had another guy that I'd met that was also helped, you know, a super good encouragement for me that the Lord just really did graciously put in my life that really mentored me while I was in college. And and so yeah, stuck it out. Um, and then at the at the Middle Tennessee game um, at at MTSU in Murfreesboro in 2006, um, the guy that had replaced me. He gets hurt in the second quarter. And I come in, and we were getting beat by, like, 28 points. <clears throat> and so uh, this is, like, you know, two and a half minutes left to go in the second quarter. And I come in there, and I take us down and score, run a, run a legit two-minute dr- two drill, and we score a touchdown and, and put it within three scores. Then we come back, and we get the ball in the, in the third quarter, and we go down and score again. And, we turned it into real uh, to an actual football game, and, but we ended up le- losing by like ten points or something like that. Mm. Uh, and from that point on, I didn't I didn't release the job. Just kind of started every rest of the game that year, and started you know all the way through my senior year. And then, ironically enough, uh, against MTSU my senior year at home, um, uh, blitz and linebacker came through, scooped me up from both my legs, pile drove me into the floor, and. Sprained my AC joint, and my college career was over, just like that. Really? And so I didn't, I didn't play the last four or five games of my senior year. And so, so yeah, that's those. That's how it happened. <laughs> so Rusty, uh, you kind of left a, a pretty big. Uh, I feel like a chunk <laughs> out there. Your your red shirt sophomore year, uh, Sun Belt Conference Player of the Year. Uh, again, talk about not related <laughs> to the job. I feel like elevated play uh, probably happened there, and then. And then your uh, your your redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior year, your your bowl games MVP, the New Orleans Bowl, 
uh, the the redshirt sophomore year and the Motor City Bowl, uh, your redshirt junior year. So uh, some pretty good games in there in in between. Uh, can you talk about uh, one those two bowl games? But then uh, what made that redshirt sophomore year uh, just special to get you that Player of the Year honor? Man, it it um, it was one of those things where it was uh, it was a perfect storm of a lot of things. Um, and, and I'd love to sit here and say that, um, you know, I did all this awesome stuff. Um, but to be real honest, I mean, I I can't, I can't even come close to saying that. Um, I, I say to people all the time that, um, my, my success in college, um, is directly related to the people that were around me. Um, you know, the the guys that I was playing with, uh, we had an amazing relationship off the field. There was a great core group of guys that we all uh, we had we had friendships together, um, and we had a bond together, and we we wanted to play for each other, and it was. Um, it was some of the coolest memories of my life. Um, thinking back to my college days and and the guys that I played with, I, I remember. Um, I mean, there's a lot of memories that I want that I want to share. Just think, okay, th- thinking about the grind of sports, okay, and not just like the highlights of the because because everybody saw the game in New Orleans Bowl and everybody saw the most. I mean, it was on ESPN, right? Bowl season and like everybody's watched, like everybody sees that, but. But going into that redshirt sophomore year, what people don't see is, again, every day you're going out behind the Tom Oxley Athletic Center in the middle of summer, and you got your brothers to your left and your brothers to your right, and you're running in the heat, uh, the Florida heat, the humidity where it feels like you're you're breathing through a wet sponge and you're and you're running 110s and you're running 175s and you're pushing sleds and and you're doing monkey and barrel, barrel rolls I mean you're doing you're doing this the hard stuff um one, one of the things that was a saying that we always would say in college and I and I have said this to our guys every year in in order to be successful you have to embrace the suck you have to embrace it because <laughs> when when it gets to be the hard time during a football game, it's the it's the fourth quarter. You're super tired, and it's been a long week of practice, and it's the late part of the season, and your body's not feeling great, and you're tired, and it's you know you're down by two touchdowns. It's like this is not fun. This is not fun. Right. But if that's the only time where you actually went to that place in your mind and you actually pushed through it, you're not going to be able to do it. If that's the only time in your life that you've ever gone there, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. And so that's one of the things that Howard Schnellenberger taught us. In the summer, when it was super hard and it was super hot and it was not fun, we still grinded it out. And we didn't do it for ourselves. We were doing it for the guy to our left. We were doing it for the guy to our right. And we were doing it together. And, I, dude, I'm getting goosebumps right now because I'm, I'm remembering those times where we're out there and we're all sweating and you're, you're just waiting for it to be over. 
but you just do it anyway. And that's where our bond and our relationship was forged by fire. And you get into those difficult circumstances during the year, and it ain't that difficult. Right. It ain't like, it's not that hard because we've done much harder in in the summer. And so that's what made that year special. That was the year that we won the conference. That's the year that we won the bowl game. That's the year that we set some records. I mean, that was that was a special year for our team. Um, you know, we we beat Troy. We had never beaten Troy before. I mean, it was we beat Minnesota, a big you know Big Ten team, and we did some really cool things that year. And uh, and yeah, it's it was in the summer when we did that thing, those things. Now and and and, and the cream just rose to the rose to the top, man. It was it was easy. It was fun. Yeah. Now I'm not getting goosebumps, but I can tell you I can I can hear the passion in your voice, and I'm ready to go through some drywall right now. <laughs> that's 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 how Howard Seller makes you feel, man. He makes you feel like you just hey, you want me to run through that wall, coach? You got it, man. Yeah. I'll do it. Well, you know, it's one of those things. I bet you in the summer you're like, I really hope this pays off. Like this, <laughs> hopefully this means something down the road. And then in the season, then you you see that, and you're like, wow. He's been here before. He knows what we're doing. And again, Howard, man, you, he he probably had forgot more about football, uh, maybe still uh, than than a lot of people have. And so, uh, you, you know, just a just a an icon, especially in Florida football, but probably in college football in general. But uh, so so you like I said, you, you're Sun Belt Conference Player of the Year, two time. Uh, bowl game MVP. Senior season does get cut short uh, there against Middle Tennessee. If it makes you feel any better, we don't like them either. Uh, <laughs> uh, one time they played the Tennessee Waltz in Thompson Bowling Arena after they beat the the basketball balls, and my wife hasn't let them live it down since. So uh, anyway, <laughs> all it takes here to Kaiser House. But uh, but you know you finish your college career, obviously uh, get healthy. Uh, as you're preparing for the NFL draft, talk about the uh, from the the injury, uh, how you get your body right, and then kind of that process to get to the draft. We're two days away from it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so honestly, guys, that's that's one of the things that I, I really one one of the few regrets that I have in my life is that. That window of time there between when I get injured and and get drafted, um, because if people people ask me, okay, I'm, I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but sure. um, once I got done playing in the NFL, people would ask me all the time, "Well, do you miss it? Would you would you go back?" Uh, and and my answer was very simple: it was like, no, I wouldn't go back and play in the NFL, not at all. Not, not at all, but I'd go back and play in college in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, if I knew then what I know now, um, I would have done everything in my power to get back out there on the field with that, with my teammates, mm-hmm. everything in my power. Um, uh, and I didn't, I, uh, I did what I had to do to get healthy for the combine, the draft for my pro date. So, so that I could get drafted. Uh, and man, it's one of my regrets. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, because, uh, you know, that five week period there, um, it was not my throwing shoulder. It was my left shoulder. Um, and you know, I, I probably could have played mm. probably. And so, 
so yeah, that was that was hard in the moment. I, I felt like I was doing the right thing. Um, felt like I was I was getting ready for the next chapter of my life. I was getting healthy so that I could go to the next level. Because yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that was, you know, after after my redshirt junior year, there was a lot of talk of me coming out early. You know, what was I going to come out early and try and go to the draft after my after the 08 year? Mm. And um, and you know, it, I I was not interested in that. I wanted to I wanted to finish my senior year with my with my teammates and and man, we were starting off really really good my I had really good numbers that my senior year um we had won some games we had lost some games but I had good numbers and it was and it was turning out to be a good season um for the offense <laughs> and then that year we we struggled on the defense that year we lost some it was a, a, a perfect storm happened for the defense we lost we lost a few really key guys on defense and so we were kind of struggling on defense but I- anyway I'm digressing there oh yeah um yeah, it was it was one of those things where I, I made the decision to get ready for the NFL, um, and so so yeah, we didn't we didn't need surgery. Um, it was uh, it was on that borderline where surgery was on the table, uh, but some doctors said no, it's not. Some doctors said no, we need to. Um, and uh, yeah, we just decided not to, um, and so. Yeah, rehabbed it a lot, and then uh, once the season was over, uh, went out to California and uh, trained with one of the quarterback coaches out there that was kind of up and coming at the time, and um, you know, found an agent, hired an agent, and uh, yeah, got plugged in with a, a training facility out there. So you know, I was doing the things with my body to get ready for that. Uh, still doing some rehab with my left shoulder, but really just kind of working on uh, getting getting ready for what I thought was the combine. Now, ultimately, I didn't get invited to the combine, um, and which, you know, definitely was a chip on the old shoulder there for, for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, then I was getting ready for my pro day. And, yeah, I came back from my pro day. And, yeah, it was, it was healthy. You know, I had, had to answer some questions there, but, you know, got the all clear from multiple doctors. You know, I had to get a couple different uh, checkups on that. And anytime I went and visited teams, um, you know, that was one of the first things that they wanted to do. They wanted to get an MRI and get an X-ray and put me through a bunch of range of motion tests and strength tests, stuff like that. And so, so yeah, it was one of those things that it was just a process to get it, get it healthy. Uh, and by the time we started visiting some of these teams or they came to us, uh, that was – it was good. It was ready to go. So – so, so talk a little bit about that, that pro day and that process, you know, I think we see on social media now, you see all the scouts, the members of the team, and sometimes head coaches go to, go to those pro days. I guess what was, uh, what was surprising for you during that process, as far as meeting with the teams, uh, was there very different philosophies across the NFL, at least as, as how they approached you and kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was very eye opening. Um, you know that to be real honest that whole four and a half year window of being involved with the NFL was just very eye-opening for me um you know getting ready for the draft and the pro day and the visits and all that kind of stuff uh uh, yeah I mean you got to keep in mind that these these teams um they're playing chess okay you know with with are they who 
who are they going to bring in to their facility and give a look? Uh, because if they bring somebody in, all the teams know who they bring in. They can't hide that. They have to submit to the league, and then the league lets everybody know, hey, the Patriots brought these people in. Um, the Titans brought these people in. The Jaguars brought these people in. The Raiders brought these people in. I mean, everybody knows. And so as soon as you bring somebody in, okay, well, now you're like, okay, well, do they like them? Do they not like them? Why, why are they bringing them in? They must like them enough to bring them in. Yeah. So so there's, there's some chess there. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I went, I went to the dolphins. Um, so, so there was, there's a rule there where you can go to a pro day, uh, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can go to a team's facility for a, a, a workout. Okay. If you, if you played college within a radius of that team. So I played in the correct radius for the dolphins. So I went there. And then if you went to high school or are from a certain radius of a team. So I went to the Jaguars as well. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to work out for both of those teams. Um, and then the Titans brought me in. Um, and I think there was, I think the Panthers brought me in. I think that's what it was. The Panthers brought me in. So I, I went to four teams before the draft. <laughs> Um, and my agent was kind of feel, you know, hearing some of the rumblings of like, Hey, well, you know, I'm like my contact here. He thinks that this is kind of the team that's liking you. And my contact here is thinking this is the team that they think that's liking you. So, you know, we, we had an idea of when I would go, if I went, you know, it was, I was going to be a sixth, seventh round pick, or I was going to go on draft. We, we knew that. And so, you know, what were the teams that were looking for quarterbacks in that, in that range? What were the teams that showed any interest whatsoever? Um, and so we had an idea. Well, um, what was kind of cool, okay, so um, Bill Belichick uh, was in Jacksonville for a, um, a lacrosse tournament for his son, okay? And it was the weekend of my wife and I's wedding. Okay. So I get a text message on Friday. So I'm getting married on Sunday. I get a text message on Friday. I'm driving up from, from South Florida up to Jacksonville. I get text messages from my agent say, hey, uh, the Patriots are going to be in Jacksonville and they want to work you out this weekend. Are you going to be in Jacksonville? I said, well, yes, but I'm getting married on Sunday and it's like, this thing that's kind of important, right? Yeah, I- <laughs> and so, and they so okay. Well, let me see if he can do it on Saturday. And so, because I, I didn't know it was Bill Belichick yet, he goes, "Let me see if the coach can do it on Saturday." Well, he texts me back later. Then he goes, "Hey, it's Bill Belichick, and he wants to work you out on Saturday. Can you make it work?" And so I was doing the same thing that yeah. Wayne's doing, like, uh, "Yeah, uh-huh, I can." And so I talked to my wife, well, my fiance at the time, I was my wife, and, and I'm like, hey, look, this is what's going on. You know, this is what he's thinking. And she's, she was super supportive during the entire process. I mean, she's been a total champ, right? And she's like, absolutely, right? You know, we definitely need to make sure that this happens. And so um, he's, the, his son's doing this, uh, this tournament at JU, which is a local university there. And so I literally take some of my groomsmen up to this field. And they're like my receivers. Like, hey, look, you're going to stand over there. You're going to stand over there. And y'all are just catching. 
right? And literally, Bill Belichick, in his flip-flops and sunglasses, sin- puts me through a workout. Wow. There, there in Jacksonville, the day before my wedding. It was it was amazing. <laughs> That's it was amazing. Awesome. So then... Now, was that legal? Him. I mean, I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I didn't ask that question. <laughs> I'm just saying. Deflate gate, rusty gate, I don't know. <laughs> Which one of the guys in the groom's party ran a perfect button hook? That's what I want to know. Listen, listen. I did have one of my groomsmen that would not stop asking him questions. I was like, Tony, shut up. Like, leave, him, leave the man alone. Uh, <laughs> you know? So, uh, after rusty that. Rusty gate, 2009. He sends Bill O'Brien the next week, literally the next week, down to FAU. He flies Bill O'Brien down and puts me through a workout. And I'm on the field with him for about about an hour and a half. Put him, you know, he puts me on the whiteboard for like an hour. It's like we we spend the whole afternoon with him. And he came down just to see me. And so we thought that I was going to the Patriots in the seventh round. We knew the Patriots were going to take a quarterback in the seventh round. And that's, I mean, like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to New England, and I was like, this is going to be freaking amazing. I'm going to play under Tom Brady. I'm going to play for Bill Belichick. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Right? right. Well, I also knew that the Titans were very interested because they were one of the teams that I visited, and they were very interested in talking with my agent and all these things. And so I knew they were interested as well, and I was totally fine to either one of them. Like I knew, like there, there were there were positives on both, and so I was like. This would be super great if one of these teams drafted me. And so, anyway, uh, day one comes by, comes by, and, you know, I was not expecting them to do anything. I just was like, okay, Titans and Patriots don't draft the quarterback. Well, they didn't. Right. I was like, sweet. That was great. So then day two, they do, day two comes. I'm like, okay, uh, Patriots and Titans don't draft the quarterback, please. And so they don't draft the quarterback. And I'm like, sweet. Like, this is going to this, – this could, this could happen. This could happen. Mm-hmm. So Saturday morning, and like you know, I'm sure you guys watch the draft. So like by by the third day, like it's rolling. You're watching, yeah. yeah. You're watching highlights of one guy as picks just kind of scroll across the bottom. Like you don't always see the announcement get made. So we're just sitting there. It's it's me and my wife, my mom and my dad, my sister uh, are there, uh, and we're just kind of watching, right? And it's middle of the morning or whatever. And it gets to the sixth round, you know, we're, we're just kind of whatever. Like, we're just yeah. kind of hanging out. Sure. And then my phone rings. And it's a number I didn't recognize. And everybody was like, oh. <laughs> I was like. It's like the red phone in the president's bro, office. It was, it was, it was crazy. And when this one didn't phone, have a cord to it, right? This one was This good. one was a cell phone. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> if I answer the phone, I say, Hello? And it was Jeff Fisher on the other line. I said, hey, Rusty Smith, this is Jeff Fisher with the Tennessee Titans. How are you today? I said, I'm doing good, Coach. How are you? Because I'm doing very good. Uh, how would you like to be a Tennessee Titan? I was like, man, that would be a dream come true. I would absolutely love it. He goes, all right, well, we're going to pick you with the next pick. I'm going to pass the phone around so you can talk to some of the coaches, and we'll, we're going. you'll see your name here in just a wow. second. And so I'm, I'm just talking to these coaches. Nobody <laughs> in the room can, like, can hear like I'm not like it's the Titans. I'm not saying anything. I'm just talking to the Titans, and I'm standing up. Everybody else is standing up, and I'm just walk over to the TV, and shortly, and you know, and across the bottom of the screen, Tennessee Titans pick quarterback Rusty Smith, Florida, and everybody in the in the wow. you know they all just start going crazy. It's like it was really cool. It was really mm. cool. 
and uh, and so who all did you talk to out of the war room there? Obviously, probably OC quarterback coach. Yeah, so I talked. Uh, I talked to Mike Heimerdinger as offensive coordinator. I talked to uh, Craig Johnson was the quarterback coach, and then I talked with one of the scouts that uh, was kind of in charge of our area. I forget his name, honestly. Good so, deal, man. And then and then they and then they kind of transferred me to to one of their you know player personnel to try and get some logistics of like what the next steps were, and then that was it. And then, I mean. Interviews from local news, interviews from FAU news, uh, text messages, phone calls. I mean, it was then, – then we, like, we're in Jacksonville, okay? So Jacksonville and Tennessee are just arch rivals, right? We go to the closest uh, Lids store, and we buy literally every Tennessee Titans hat that they have. Because they, they didn't have a lot. I think I think uh, had, like, six hats, seven hats, and we bought all of them. <laughs> we bought all of them. That's awesome. That's awesome, and, and so you know it, you worked you worked out with that team. Obviously, you had your the the Patriots situation, but was it still just a moment to where after the dust settled, you kind of went, did, did that just happen? Yes, absolutely, and right. and really the the process after that was still you know like it's not a guarantee. You get you get drafted in the sixth or seventh round. I mean, there's no guarantee that you're making that team. Okay. I mean, they, they have like, okay. So like the signing bonus was a lot of money to me, mm-hmm. a lot of money to me, but to them, it was nothing. You know, they could, they could cut me and lose that money and not bat an eye. Sure. Right. So, so like, it wasn't a guarantee that I was going to be on the team. So like, we knew that it was still like, okay, like I got to go in and I got to compete. And I got to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And so like, we get it, we get here and you know, we had my wife and I. We were just married. Uh, we we rent an apartment, and we were advised not to rent an apartment. Okay, like, hey, look, in in three months you might not be here. Like, we were told that. And I was like, look, we're gonna rent this apartment because my wife's got to go somewhere, and I'm not leaving her in Jacksonville. So like, we're we're renting this place, and if it if it doesn't work out, then we'll figure that out after that. Mm-hmm. So we rent we sign this lease, we rent this apartment. We're, we're one to two blocks away from the practice facility off of Rosa Parks Boulevard. Uh, we have one vehicle. My wife is literally dropping me off at work and picking me up. Nice. We have one vehicle, okay? Because, again, I'm not going to go out and buy a vehicle because I don't know if I'm going to make a team. Sure. Right? I'm not going to spend money on something. I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we go, through, we go through the rest of summer and we go through, you know, camp and – and kind yeah, of to four, circle back, there's that's a decent quarterback room you walked into, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So the four quarter. So I'm one of four quarterbacks. It's me, Vince Young, Kerry Collins, and Chris Sims. Okay. And so oh, like, man, if, you, like, if you wouldn't play in football, that's a good party room. I'll say that, buddy. I, we could <laughs> we could sit here and talk stories, which we're not gonna do today. But man, like one I got, Collins story. Like I, I got. I got stories, but not on, not online. Not I on air. Okay. Not, I can't do it. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. I mean, no, if you think about it, all three of those guys. I mean, oh, I yeah. think I think Chris Sims was a first round draft pick. So, like, all three of them are, are first round draft pick quarterbacks. So we and he got a little old, little old me from FAU, a six round pick. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I mean, what, us, what's wrong? us in Knoxville? We wrote Chris Sims off when he picked Texas over. Over to yeah. that's I mean, just us. That's just us. I mean, arguably, you know, arguably, Penn State fans 
Penn State fans would say Kerry Collins is one of the best to ever don a don that position. And then, um, as Rusty was saying, Vince Young, I mean, you know, he arguably is one of the best quarterbacks in Texas football history. So, yeah, yeah, what a what an incredible cool yeah. quarterback. Yeah, I mean, so it was, Texas, they, they, they beat a USC team that is classified as maybe one of the best ever. Oh, yeah, uh, Kerry Collins, I, remember, I remember that game, by the way. We're, I mean, we're going sure. way back. I remember watching that game where he literally just took over that fourth quarter. It was epic. Yeah, he, he was something else. But but anyway, sorry, it got us off the rails. That was a heavy quarterback room. But you you go in there, uh, obviously guns blazing, and uh, and and tell us how that happened. Yeah, so you know, to be to be honest, it's one of those things where in the NFL, it's it's a lot to do about about money, about dollars, right? And yeah. so you know, um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta choose my words wisely here. Okay, um, Vy wasn't going anywhere. Okay, we we knew that. Okay, uh, so he wasn't going anywhere. Um, I had a very strong feeling Kerry wasn't going anywhere, uh, based on how he was performing, his relationship with the offensive coordinator, his relationship with the head coach. Um, the last couple of years that he'd played there, what he had done. So like, I was like, okay, so it's, it's me and Chris Sims. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's me and him. Um, and so that's kind of the mindset that I was in. I was like, look, I gotta, I got I gotta beat this guy out. And, and I, and here's what I'll say. Uh, Chris was a true professional of those three guys. He was the nicest to me. He was the most welcoming to me. He was the one that shared the most insights to me. Um, he was he was he was awesome. Uh, you will never hear a negative word come out of my mouth about Chris Sims. He was awesome. Mm. He was a true teammate. Um, and and after the fact, um, after after I had gotten the job and they cut Chris, they ended up bringing him back later that season. We still texted and whatnot while he wasn't in the building. And then when he came in the building, it was kind of cool to kind of have that relationship again. He ended up saying, he's like, look, man, I knew it was you or me. I knew. I mean, and to be honest, I saw the writing on the walls because I knew how much, this is Chris speaking. Like, I knew how much I was going to get paid, and I knew how much you were going to get paid. And you only had to show that you were halfway capable of doing the job, and they were going to keep you because of finances. And now looking back on it, that makes sense. Like, I would have made a fraction of what his minimum wage would have made. And so as a third-string quarterback – why, as an organization, would you keep a guy like that? Wow. It doesn't. It doesn't make financial sense. Wow. And so, wow. like he he knew that, and still was the most welcoming, the most genuine, kind, help helpful gut dude. And he knew I was there to take a job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that was really cool of him. Super. Cool. That, that is a side of uh, the NFL that doesn't get talked about a lot, but you're you're exactly right, and I'll I'll take back about a third of what I said about Chris Sims. Yeah. <laughs> Only his college years, I had no problem with. Him. I think he's a good broadcaster <laughs> now. Uh, but uh, so that's that's interesting. But yeah, you're so you you make the the cut. You're you're the third quarterback there behind Kerry and Vince Young, and just uh, just talk about what that looked like. Again, you you got in there a little bit. Uh, there in Tennessee, uh, what was it like? Just kind of uh, again on game day, really. Uh, you've shown, you've seen it in high school. You saw it in college, and you're one injury away, maybe two injuries away from from being the guy. Yeah, 
Yeah, that. Look, we could we could sit here for another hour and a half talking about that first year. Sure. Um, it was uh, it was eye opening. Um, it was um, a mess. Um, it was an honor to be able to play in an NFL game, two NFL games. I got to start one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a lot of things. And and thinking back on that year, I have a lot of emotions um, and a lot of thoughts. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys, I mean, maybe you guys do, but <clears throat> if you remember the game where VY actually chucked his helmet and shoulder pads in the stands, um at home i don't know if either one of you guys remember i didn't that, remember but, that no yeah so it was it was it was vy my rookie year was vy's last year um for the titans and there was you know kind of a bad breakup um and there was one specific game where you know you could easily google it and you know you could watch vy you know chuck his helmet and shoulder pads and jersey up in the stands as he walking off the field just kind of it was the end of his time there Mm-hmm. Well, that was my first playing time. It was against the Washington Redskins at home, and uh, yeah, I mean that was that was just a it was just an interesting year in that locker room, and I and I, um, you know, we'll just leave it at that. Sure. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so you know, going going fin- finishing that year, I mean, playing in the game was awesome. I'll say this: uh, I got to complete a few passes to Randy Moss. Which yeah. is pretty cool. That's awesome. pretty cool. He was he was on the, he was on our team that year. Yep. yep. And uh, in my first series uh, playing in an NFL game, uh, I actually threw a touchdown to Randy Moss in the corner of the end zone. It was a double move. It was a dig and go, and uh, it was over Dante Hall in the in the corner of the end zone. Uh, but a PI flag, offensive PI uh, on Randy. He was a little, gave a little gave a little extra <laughs> elbow on there. And I uh, got called back, but that, it was still pretty cool. Now that Redskins game, that was was that an overtime game as well? It was an overtime game. That's right. Oh my goodness! Now you're bringing back a couple bad memories, but it, it was <laughs> it was about, it was it was an overtime game, and yes, we lost overtime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, so so you the roller coaster, and again, you know, I think the the tail end of Vince Young and, and the tail end of Jeff Fisher uh, there in Nashville, there were some tumultuous times there. Uh, and, and looks like and, and and look, Wayne. I, I want you to know, I, I'm, you know, I'm very thankful for the Titans organization because they they did so much for me. And and I also want you to hear, like, I fully believe with all of my heart that that God sovereignly controlled everything for a purpose and for a reason. And so, like, I don't want to blame anybody or anything with the Titans organization for what happened with me in my career. I want you to hear that, okay? Sure. But you're. You're you're only scratching the surface sure. of what actually happened behind the scenes that last year. Mm-hmm. It was it was a mess. Was a mess. Maybe one of these days we'll have like an unfiltered, maybe not recorded, but maybe a good, <laughs> a good discussion about that. But uh, so you're there for three years, though. Uh, I was actually there for four years. I played four years. Yep. Okay, uh, ten through thirteen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, right. ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and so. Um, my last three years, I got to play uh, alongside of Jake Locker, Matt Hasselback, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Jake Locker, to this day, is one of my dearest and closest friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of a cool uh, transformation that the Lord did on my heart because 
uh, after my, my rookie year going into my, my, my second year, um, I thought I was going to have an opportunity to really compete for the job. And I knew they were going to bring in a veteran guy and I knew that they were going to, they were going to draft a guy, but I didn't know that they were going to draft a guy in the first round. And when they drafted Jake Locker in the first round, I hated him. I hated him with a passion because he was coming in to take a job that I felt was mine not to lose. And the Lord radically, radically changed my heart over the course of those three years. And he is one of my closest and dearest friends. And uh, I love him to death. And it's one of those really cool stories where um, the more God softened my heart, uh, the more I realized, you know, like, why it was it was selfish for me to hate this guy. I mean, he's just coming to play football. That's all he's trying to do. And and it was, you know, it was wrong of me to feel the way that I felt um, and 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 think the things that I thought. And and the Lord used that to <clears throat> really uh, draw me closer to Him. And it was a really cool time uh, while I was there with Him. It was pretty cool. You were you you were you were around a lot of just quarterbacks. You talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, uh, the, the it's magic, was, baby. Oh uh, man, what a man himself. Yeah, he was a character and a half. He was he was awesome. He was awesome. I aspire to have a beard like that guy at some point in my life. I mean, this this has taken me about eighteen months right here. <laughs> Not doing much. Oh, uh, but he 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 actually. I mean, he he put it in. He played for a ton of different teams, and honestly. Uh, had had a little juice with all of them, really. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's a pretty cool experience. Matt Hasselback, uh, mm-hmm. again, uh, he was so fast the hair left him early. Uh, yeah, he was he was solid though. He was oh, he was sure a good enough. quarterback, very very crafty. Um, knew it was super smart. He processed real fast. Um, knew his weaknesses and knew how to protect himself. Uh, great. He was a, he was a great professional. Um, he, he, he showed me how to be a professional quarterback. He showed me that, um, you know, wish I'd have learned it sooner. Um, but, uh, a lot, a lot of how I do things now, um, in my professional career, in my professional life, uh, I do from him because, uh, he, he was a guy that, um, balanced his career and his job and his family life really well. Mm. And he, and he, he imparted some of that wisdom and experiences with, with me and with Jake while he was with us. It was, he's, he's a good, good dude, good professional. And I, and I think a lot of times that's a, that's a piece that, that isn't always, you know, passed on or even, even <laughs> I guess held in high regard. You know, you see a lot of pros that, uh, you know, maybe they're killing it on the field, but maybe their, their personal life's not so strong. So that's cool that they're, mm. There are those guys that can do that. Uh, so then you move on to the Giants. Uh, you play in 2014 with the Giants. Uh, now, was that with was that with Mr. Manning with Eli? Yep, uh, I was there. I think for two months. Um, you know, and yeah, I was I was in the quarterback room with. Uh, I think it was Josh Freeman, Eli Manning, Ryan Nassib. I think oh, yeah. is his last name. That makes sense. Uh, um, yeah, did, right? Man, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. 
but uh, uh but that was that was that was kind of cool experience uh, got to got to rub elbows with him for a little bit um you know so yeah that was that was cool but i mean i was only there for like six uh six or eight weeks something like that um so yeah that was i never i never suited up in a game and then, then also in 2014, you had some time with Calgary with the Stampede. Yeah, went up there, and that's kind of actually how I transitioned out of playing um, in between those those two stints. Um, so my wife, my wife and I had already had a kid. We had our oldest son, and um, between between the Giants and the Stampeders, um, you know, it was one of those things where like, am I done? Am I not done? Do I want to try and chase these teams? Do I want to? Do I want to do the Ryan Fitzpatrick journeyman quarterback where I'm going from city to city to state to state from year to year? It's like, I don't know if I want to do that. I think I want to just lay down my roots. We had, we had been in Tennessee for four years, and we really liked what we were doing. We had built up a little bit of a family unit and where we were, and we were doing life together here in the middle Tennessee area, and we liked it. But then the Calgary Stampeders were like, hey, look, you can come up here and make a nice career out of this, you know, six months up here and six months down there. I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I could see myself doing that. So I go up there, and my, my wife and son stayed here, and I went up there, and, uh, man, I hated it. I hated it. It was uh, – I was in um, a dorm room during camp, and it was just white walls with no windows. Wow. And you know, it was a bunch of guys that were fresh out of high school, I mean, fresh out of college, and they man, they were trying to make it to the league. This was just a stepping stone for them. And I was the guy that's like, okay, I've been there, I've got my pension, and now I'm like, okay, maybe I can just come here and ride off into the sunset for ten years, and maybe win a few Grey Cups, maybe not, who knows? And six months here, six months there, and. Then I started to feel like, okay, well, these guys here, I start seeing what they're doing after practice. You know, hey, they're going to play video games. Hey, and they're going to the casino. Hey, and they're going to the bar. Hey, and they're going to the strip club. Hey, they're going and having this fun, that fun. I'm like, this is not what I want to be doing. And so, yeah, about four weeks into that, my wife calls me and says, hey, uh, I'm pregnant. And so I was like, okay, well, I think I'm coming home. So I walk into the GM's office and said, hey, this is not for me. Send me home, please. And so a couple of days later, I'm on the plane home, and that was it. That was done. Man, it's just yeah. – and, and I'd, say, I'd say the – it just it, it kind of – you didn't see that that path, and then it just hit, right? So um, – yeah. It was one of those things where, where I'm sitting there in a realization when I, when I get off the phone with my wife, and I'm like, my wife is at home and I'm sitting here in this white walled, you know, <laughs> dorm room, you know, with all of these 19, 20, 21 year old guys that are doing who knows what. Right. I'm like, what, what, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Go, I'm like, go home. <laughs> so I did. I went home. And so, and, uh, and I'm thankful that I did. I am. And so then, uh, you know, it looks like, uh, pretty quickly you, you get into coaching. Looks like at Grace, you you jump right in there, kind of coming back from Calgary. Yeah, so um, you know, there's a lot, there's a long story on how how that kind of landed, uh, but at the end of the day, God literally placed that job in my lap, and um, I had met with 
one of the guys there, and I was actually working out there in between the Giants and Calgary. I was going up there, uh, using their weight room, using their field, and I was kind of working out, staying in shape, throwing to some of their guys and just kind of helping them. They were a young school. Um, and so I, so I had a relationship there with a couple of those guys. And then I get back, and, again, a job literally just landed in my lap. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do this. I would love to coach in football. I'd love to work in the school setting. And, and so, yeah, uh, did that for – did that for eight years. Um, uh, I helped out as an assistant coach my first year and then was the head coach for seven years. Um, and yeah, man, it was, it was a blast. And God really quickly showed me that, um, that's where, that's where he's called me to be is to be in a high school setting, uh, pouring into the next generation, building those relationships, um, guiding boys along the path of adolescent malehood onto the road of genuine manhood. And what does that even look like? What does manhood look like? And what does it mean to be a biblical man? And how can I be a biblical man in today's, today's world where culture is, is pulling me in all these different directions and, and like status of what I have and how good I am at my job and how good I am at my sport and how pretty is my girlfriend and how big is my house? Like that's what culture is just bombarding our guys with these days. And it's like, that's not what manhood is all about. Like that's, that's not, that's not where, you know, you can find your worth and your value. And like, that's not who God made you to be. And that's not how, how God designed us. Like, so, so, so that's rapidly what I became passionate about uh, being in this high school setting and pouring into the next generation, uh, teaching them, uh, discipling them, mentoring them, mentoring them. And, and man, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, and got to coach a little football along the way. Um, won a few games, lost lost a few games, made a few playoff games, um, grew the program, um, and yeah, and now now we're in a in a pretty radical transition now. Um, you know, uh, we are. Let's see, it's it's what is it? April twenty fifth, right now. Mm -hmm. In in two months, we'll be leaving for Africa. You know, we're going to go and be full time missionaries in in Kenya, Africa. Is what we're doing next. Um, and that, that transition has, again, just been another one of those things where God closes a door and says, Hey, look, I'm calling you into this specific place. Um, you're going to go to Kenya, you're going to go to this boarding school and you're going to work at this boarding school for missionary kids. And yeah, I don't know how long I'm going to be there. You know, my wife and I and all four boys were going. Um, and so, so yeah, that's what's next. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a journey, man. That's, uh, yeah. Ron Fitzpatrick ain't got nothing on that. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a journey, man. I mean, look uh, at that. He ain't ever been to Kenya. Oh <laughs> <laughs> man. It's, you know, uh, I'll tell you, you know, in, in today's society, you talk about it and the, there, it is pulling you in a lot of directions and having, having uh, good kind of solid men in front of our young men, uh, like yourself, I think that's gonna, that's gonna help us along the way. And, and it, and it can't hurt in Kenya. So uh, um, I wish you the best in, in that as well. Uh, Rusty, just a couple quick questions uh, back to, to some. And this is just fan stuff. You know, I, yeah, oh, yeah, you're good. I, I really feel like, uh, you know, stadiums are cool. You know, things like inside scoops. Cool. Uh, what was your in college? Uh, what was your favorite stadium to play in? And then in the pros? Uh, what was okay, your so so in college, um, I had the opportunity to play at the Swamp. And so for me, 
that was a dream. It was a dream come true. I went to I don't know how many games as a fan watching the Gators play, uh, watching them run out of tunnel, uh, playing there with, you know, band playing the fight song. I mean, it was just it was super cool. And what's really cool is in the second half, we ran out of our tunnel. This is the second half now. We ran out of our tunnel the same time they ran out of their tunnel. And so the UF fight song was playing. The cheer, the, the the crowd was cheering. It was like, I'm running on to the field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, and the crowd is cheering for me. And I was <laughs> nice. like, oh, this is so cool. It was hey, really Rusty, cool. Rusty, Wayne has that dream every night. When he goes to bed, he dreams <laughs> running out of that stadium. The <laughs> There's a lot of dreams I got, Ben. That that ain't one of them. <laughs> but, uh, now you now that was the same time uh, Tebow was at Florida, right? That's right. That's right. Wow. And so, fun fun fact: we played each other in high school, college, and in the pros. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he's from the Jack. He's from the Jacksonville area, just Good. like I am. Um, we actually, you know, were were cordial first name basis. Yes, in high school. Um, met each other a handful of times. I mean, he was obviously all everything, right? right. Um, and so, um, but yeah, not super nice guy. Um, you know, um, has done, has done a lot of good in this world. So, you know, not going to say anything bad about that guy either. He's, he's, he even came he's to college. He even came to Bristol a couple weekends ago. Talk about trying to spread the word. Like sometimes he's, Bristol might need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, he's, uh, he's solid, dude. Uh, but but Rusty, then in the pros, what was your favorite stadium to be in in the pros? Man, so did you go to the Frozen Tundra in Green Bay? Okay, so okay, so I'm I'm gonna give you two. I'm okay. gonna give you two. He's okay. wanting you to say Baltimore. Uh, so the um the the coolest for me in the pros. Uh, was when we went out um, to Seattle. Okay, we went out to Seattle, and it was still kind of um, like the, the the Legion of Boom was still was 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 still really big out there. Um, and like, no, it really is. It really is as loud as everybody thinks it is. Okay, and and you wouldn't. You wouldn't think it because you walk out there and like both ends are kind of open mm-hmm. and like it's not overly massive and you don't necessarily think of like Seattle being like oh Seattle football is right. like everything town, yeah yeah you would you wouldn't think any of that but bro it was deafening oh, it wow. was deafening it was so cool it was so cool uh, and then. The one that, I mean, was just, I mean, yeah, I got to play, you know, in Green Bay. And so walking out of the tunnel onto Lambeau Field, and it was in December, and it was snowing, and it was just everything that you could think of. It was just perfect. Uh, So that was pretty cool, too. That's awesome. And then uh, uh, most surprising thing about the NFL, I mean, obviously we talked about that financial decision. Uh, but what is something that just is is off the beaten path about the NFL that just be like, whoa? Um, and that's probably very broad. Yeah, that's a broad and sort of loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, um, 
Okay, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you some good and some I'll give you a good and a bad. Okay, okay. Um, bad is it really is as political as you as you imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many strings that are being pulled and so many politics being played behind the scenes that it's difficult once you've seen behind the curtain and you know it's not really the Wizard of Oz. It's hard to like be a fan sure right i still watch i love football um i'll pull i always i pull for the titans um yeah i definitely watch but it's it's hard now because uh because you know you just, i've seen i've seen a lot right sure. absolutely so so that it, it, there really are a lot of politics that go into it they really are mm-hmm. the good man the training tables in nfl <laughs> practice facilities are Epic. They're epic. I mean, when I was with the New York Giants, again, I was only there for like eight weeks. We were, we, you go into their cafeteria and they've got like four full time chefs. You walk in there, whatever you want. <laughs> think, th- think of something right now. Walk in there. Hey, I want this, this, and this. All right, give us 15 minutes. <laughs> whatever you yeah. want. No bad enough. Yeah, no bad enough. <laughs> No, no questions asked. I mean, like, uh, what? Okay, so one of the things with the Titans, okay, and and I don't. Every ownership group has their flavor on how they do things, right? Sure. And so, when I was with the Titans, ownership was Bud Adams, and I don't know if you know anything about mm-hmm. Bud Adams and how he handled his money or whatever. Um, he liked to save some money on some things, okay. But every Friday, every Friday before a game, he brought in these guys that would fire up the charcoal grill outside of our cafeteria, and we and he would we would have chicken wings. And when it was like any, it, they were the they were the best chicken wings I've ever had. They were fresh off the grill. You could have any flavor you wanted on it. They were crispy and juicy all at the same time. Oh my goodness, my mouth's watering right now just thinking about it. It was awesome. It was wow. awesome. Cool. Well, that that's all my fan type questions. Ben, you got any? Now you covered you covered all three. I was thinking uh, I was thinking uh, similar questions, but uh, yeah, that that's really interesting about the. Uh, you don't the have like a Ray Lewis question you want to ask? <laughs> the cafeteria in in the Titans. Uh, you know, it sounds like a, a purple cow. I don't know if you've ever been to a purple cow in Johnson City, but they don't have a menu. You just pull up, and if you say, hey, I want chicken parmesan, a Caesar salad, and a root beer, they say, 15 <laughs> minutes, come on around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You you, you you made me think of something that I want to tell this one story, okay? And okay. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, my rookie year. It's not a Ray Lewis story, but it's a Troy Palomalo story. Okay. Okay. So Troy Palomalu, I don't know if you got I mean like Troy Palomalu has this has this knack for finding the football no matter where it's at. Uh, he's obviously a safety, but going into the Pittsburgh Steelers game my rookie year, we're watching film on the Steelers. And you know, you're breaking down film like, hey, look, this is cover four, this is cover two, this is cover one, this is cover three. Like, you, you know the coverages that they're supposed to be playing, and you know where guys are supposed to be because you've seen them play that 
mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So like this guy is going to go here. This guy's going to go there. But then you'll have this random clip where it's supposed to be cover four. Troy Polamalu is supposed to be on my right hash, but the ball's getting thrown on a deep comeback over here on the left sideline. And Troy Polamalu doesn't back up not one step and he just beeline straight to that receiver and he picks the ball. Okay. It's like, bro, you just busted a coverage. The post backside was for a, a, a touchdown, but like he knew how he knew, who knows? But he did that over and over and over again. Okay. Okay. So we get into the game. Long story short, we're, we're going, Kerry Collins is playing and it's the fourth quarter and we're driving in a two minute drill to try and like tie the game to going overtime. Mm. We're driving down the field. We get down to like the two yard line, one yard line. And we have this code word for a QB sneak. Carrie is screaming our code word for QB sneak. And we're like on like the one yard line. So we, all run up there and we get up there and he makes sure everybody gets set. He goes to snap the ball. And as he snaps the ball, Troy Palomalu comes from who knows where and soars over the line of scrimmage like this with hair <laughs> flying everywhere. And as Kerry Collins gets the snap, he tackles Kerry for like a two yard loss. And we have to call a timeout. It's like, who does that? It's unbelievable. You know, I think Ed Reed gets Ed, Ed Reed gets a lot of accolades for being one of the the best safeties in NFL football. But I'm I'm like Rusty. I, I've seen some video of Troy Polamalu that uh, it's hard for me to put him at number two. I mean, it really is. That guy was incredible. I think I think he played most of his career like as a squeeze linebacker, though. I mean, he played almost mostly on the line of scrimmage. But, uh, but Rusty, I feel like I need to allow you some time to ask us questions. Maybe I, I don't know, but, uh, but I've, I've peppered you pretty good, but, uh, but you're, you're doing great things in the mid state. Uh, again, keep up the good work you're going to Kenya. Uh, so again, safe travels there, but is there anything, any, any kind of charities you promote or anything that, uh, get a little pub right here? Man, I, I, not not really. I'm just going to say we're going through the, the mission organization of Africa Inland Mission. Um, and our vision and mission is to see Christ in our churches among all African people. Um, there are uh, over 3 billion people on this planet, 3 billion people who have never heard the gospel. Um, and there are uh, almost 1 billion of those people on the continent of Africa. And so our organization wants to see Christ-centered churches among all of these African peoples. Uh, and we're trying trying to get there. And so, you know, uh, Christ tells us that we are to go and to tell and to make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups. That's what that's what that word means there. And so there are almost a thousand different ethnic groups, a thousand different ethnic groups on the continent of Africa alone that don't know who Jesus is. And so, uh, so yeah, that's where we're going. Um, and that's where we're going we're to be supporting missionaries that are on the front lines in the bush of Africa, uh, in some of the harshest places that you can ever imagine taking the gospel to the unreached people groups. And so, yeah, uh, Africa inland mission. That's what I like to plug there. Awesome. And, and, and man, like, again, uh, wish you best safety, uh, safe travels. And, and again, uh, that's a, I don't, I don't think there's going to be, you know, many five-star hotels in that. Uh, so you're going to be, uh, you're going to be in it. So, uh, again, wish you the best. And again, 
that's a that's admirable that's probably an understatement word but uh i appreciate what you're doing there man yeah and rusty thanks, um thanks for talking to us tonight um this has really uh, made my evening I, going back to your story about your sophomore year and talking about the the relationships you built there um and, and you touched on it from the very beginning of your career all the way through uh where you are today and where you're going to kenya here um, just how important it is to you to build those relationships um, with folks and how important it is to be compassionate and caring about one another. It's really a true uh, a testament to you and, uh, and what you're building there. But thank you so much for talking to us tonight. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Wayne. I appreciate you guys having me. All right. This has been Rusty Smith, episode 14. It's been a good one. Uh, if you, you've learned a lot about a lot of things. And, and again, uh, Rusty Smith has had a, a great journey that's uh, just getting started as he heads to Africa. But if you like what you've seen here tonight, go back, check out some of our older videos on our YouTube channel, The Grind on Sports, and there'll be more uh, to come. Again, thanks to Rusty Smith. I'm Wayne Kaiser. Below me is Ben Metz. And uh, you've listened to The Grind. But till next time, Grind on.